0: Welcome to Connected, episode 241. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Hover, Squarespace, and Away. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett, and I am joined by my co-host, Mike Curley. Oh, hi. Hey, buddy. It's an odd episode. You mm-hmm. go first. There are always odd episodes when I'm around. Mm. And we are joined by Mr. Federico Vitici.
1: Oh, hey, welcome back. How are you?
0: It's good to be back. I genuinely missed recording with you all the last couple of weeks. Uh, I got several notes from listeners. Thank you for making sure everything is okay. Just a hectic family life couple of weeks, but everything's cool and we're back and we're going to talk about topics. I'm leaving, by the way. Did
2: I not tell you? I'm out of here. Oh, yeah, I'm off. You're done. Yeah, yeah. I figured like I've handed it back over now to you, mm. so I'm off now.
0: Wow. Well, we had a good run. You know, we've mm-hmm. been recording the show. <laughs> And it's I mean, predecessor for doing it. six years. It doesn't need me. You uh, can keep doing it. It does not need you. It's the three of us together. Uh, well. Or sometimes me, John, and Casey, but
2: <laughs> usually the three of us. <laughs> yeah, that might happen again in the summer this year, I think. We'll, we'll have to, we need to talk about that. <laughs>
0: I, I realized this weekend that, A, we are a month away from WBC, which is just extremely upsetting. Mm. In every way, because then then it's summer and people travel. I'm going to be gone for a week in July. It's like it's going to be when you were a kid, summer was relaxing, right? You didn't have to go to school. You could just play video games and ride your bike and eat snacks. But as adults, summer, I think, is maybe more stressful than the other seasons because everyone is off doing things and not doing their jobs.
2: Yeah, I'm currently making the prediction that in July there will only be one episode where all three of us are on at the same time. That is my prediction. The, do we score it? No, we don't need to score <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> you were to score everything.
2: Because the thing is, is, I can there's no point having scores in this because I can win that. I can just not show up, right? So like you don't want to score it because then if there's like points on the line, you just won't hear from me for four weeks. Points are okay, important. So it's
1: a non-graded prediction. Just non-graded making sure. prediction. Graded. Yeah. Just making
2: sure. <laughs> because I know when I'm away, I know when Steven's away. And like, I mean, who knows when you're going to be away. You, you go away in uh, July. What, so. what do you mean
1: you go away like I'm some kind of nomad?
2: Like you just live in a beach <laughs> hut for like two months or something. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, I have the and then, something now. that
2: you started doing over the last couple of years, you go to the beach and then take a vacation and go back to the beach and go home. It's like yes. you take a vacation from your vacation.
0: Look, sitting by the Italian seaside is very exhausting. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it's just, you, you, you. once you have a
1: beach house, it's great because you're, you can be on vacation at your house, but then you also want to go somewhere else, you know, go to a hotel, mm. actually, you know, treat yourself to a real vacation. From the, the vacation. Bi- the beach house is not a real vacation. It's it's your beach house. It's yours. You gotta care about it, you mm. know? Yeah. But now I can do podcasts from the iPad, so, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's not like when I actually disappeared uh, years ago. You guys are complaining too much about my summer habits. It's not fair. It's you...
2: not a complaint anymore because I'm used to We're it. Just, yeah, we just mm. accept that you don't
0: love us in June, Jul- June, July. Yeah, you'd love the beach more.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. Point. <laughs> yes. Yes. You, have yeah, a point. you know what? Yeah, actually, you're correct. <laughs> yeah. I think I agree.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. I am back, and so I can reinstitute order into the chaos that was the last two episodes Aww. connected. And we're going to start with follow up.
1: Do we have to?
0: I mean, it is it is in the document, so mm. we should do it.
2: Yeah. Uh Just as a favor to you. And For the record,
0: Mike put most of this in, not me. Yeah, I was
2: about to say, in the interest of clarity, this is basically all my follow-up.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> uh, iFixit removed their Galaxy Fold teardown. So I referenced this on the last episode of like, iFixit pull apart a uh, Samsung Galaxy Fold and were able to show a bunch of the areas where it failed. And then a few days later, they were like, uh, LOL, we had to pull it down because Samsung asked and this is just one of those interesting things where I kind of want to get a feeling from you two about a story like this because what's happened is, right, somebody gave that device to iFixit. Right. And probably broke a contract. Yeah. Or at least made a situation difficult between Samsung and the whoever it was that gave iFixit the phone. And then iFixit went along with the request and took it down. And considering both of you are real journalists. I want to know what you think of something like this.
1: It's uh, kind of shady territory. Um, normally, like if you see, th- this is difficult because if you if you have this kind of source and a source gets in trouble, and you want to make sure that this person keeps you know collaborating with you, I could see why I fix it wanted to wanted to sort of make make sure that. They would cover, they would protect the source and do whatever Samsung was requesting. But also, it's not a... I don't think it's a... Maybe Stephen can jump in here. I don't think it's a good look, um, journalistically speaking, to have a report out and then just make it disappear as if it never (laughs) happened. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, I've been... Years ago, I was in a situation where you know, when you, when you get hit with, um, what's it called? The DCMA, uh, the copyright millennium act, and you get hit with that kind of request and you get a letter from a lawyer, you know, actually multiple lawyers, it's kind of scary. And you you gotta,
2: you gotta, I'm sure you obviously can't talk about it, but like,
1: I I prefer not to, but it was really years ago when I was stupid and young and reckless. Um, So you comply to that, right? When you get Mm -hmm. that kind of letter and when you're, for example, when your hosting provider says, hey, by the way, we've been contacted by this company, says that you're (laughs) posting copyrighted content on your server and unless you comply, we're going to shut it down. So... I can see why even external, uh, some kind of external pressure from maybe a CDN company or, or your hosting provider would say, oh, by the way, Samsung got in touch with us about photos and details that you have on your site. So unless you take it down, we're going to actually take down your site. So, um, yeah, it's difficult. I mm-hmm. don't know.
0: Yeah, my sort of assumption is that who, wh- whatever reviewer... Get handed their phone off to iFixit. And I would imagine that Samsung knew who that was pretty quickly. Like, they Mm -hmm. do nice imagery, and unless they obscure the serial number, Samsung probably knows whose phone that was. And my guess is that, you know, iFixit took it down because, A, Samsung came knocking with their lawyers – but they also wanted to somehow preserve the relationship with the reviewer. I don't know. My guess is whoever gave it to them won't be getting any more Samsung review units. Like that feels like a a showstopper from the Samsung perspective because when you get a review unit, there is – well, very often there's actual paperwork saying this is what you yes. can and cannot do with it. This is who you can and cannot show it to. And, I mean, clearly this – There's got to be a a violation of that agreement. If
2: this was a reviewer, which I expect it probably was, because like it doesn't seem like anybody else had access to these. Like I've seen people say, like, oh, what if it was a carrier? But I don't think these have been sent to carriers. Like I don't think you could maybe maybe phone
0: Maybe okay. Connected. Sometimes we have these theories, and so Uh -uh. maybe Mm. there was an engineer at Samsung who knew that it was they were going to explode, and he's like, no, no, don't do it. They're going to fall apart. And out of uh, blind rage, he stole a unit from Samsung on the cover of the night and gave it to iFixit to prove himself correct.
2: Also not a wild... I mean, you've, <laughs> you've peppered it up with some some real espionage, but that's also not a wild theory either, right? That it came from inside the house.
1: But but also, when I think when people say carriers, they don't mean like, like the carrier store, but I think they refer to the... Certification process that goes on mm, when okay. people who work for a carrier have to right. verify that this phone is gonna be on our network, and so there's multiple engineers that test these new phones, new and upcoming phones, in mm-hmm. their labs. And so it may be somebody from a carrier that has some kind of long-term loan for these mm-hmm. units and is maybe friends with iFixit, which will actually explain why and how iFixit it. has often yep. access to, to that these makes devices. Sense. Because yeah.
2: I was wondering, right? Like, if this was a review unit, what did the reviewer think was gonna happen? Like, how would you give this device back how would to you Samsung? Put it back. Like, you're like, <laughs> what did you do to it? Well, uh, it I do know, nothing. It just, like, what? it just randomly exploded. Yeah,
0: I mean, <laughs> like, that just, is what they it just did. Destroyed. But you just you ship back like a ziploc bag full of Galaxy Fold just parts. You're like, I dropped it down the stairs. I don't know what happened. It's so,
2: <laughs> and then I dropped it down the stairs, and then a l- knife landed on it, and that's why that cable's cut in such a yeah, specific e- every way. Every
0: single component just fell apart
2: like a Lego car. It, it the is- whole thing is is strange. I, I, look, but my feeling though, really, when I look at this, is like, yeah, of course they took it down because they had to, right? Like, no matter what the situation was, it was either going to be a case that they were going to get hit by a lawsuit, or they have put somebody in hot water exactly, and they shouldn't have done that but like it was still strange and something i found even weirder like from the ifixit twitter account they tweeted you might not be able to view our galaxy fold teardown anymore but you can still watch us talk about it with Dieter bone on repair radio and it's like why are you <laughs> owning this so much like i don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't get it like why it's, why are you
0: owning that it's That's really, really weird. weird it's really weird like, and uh i mean this is just like the perfect cherry on top of the Weirdness Sunday that is the Galaxy Fold story. Like every single step of this it. story has it's, been so it's bizarre. It's like a telenovela.
2: It's unbelievable. This, <laughs> this whole thing is so incredible to me. I, like uh, at breakfast a couple of days ago, my wife, Edina, was like, I don't know how it came up, but she was just like, Oh, I saw about that phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you still going to get it? And I was like, as I said to Federico on the show last week, yeah, probably, because <laughs> I can't, <laughs> I can't stop myself. Because like then MKBHD posted his review, right? Yes, and like it's just another example of the type of thing that I'm talking about, where it's kind of like everybody's being like, "Yeah, I mean, like it's really broken, but like it's amazing though." Right. And th- mm. <laughs> there's something about like the way that that he and others have spoken about it, of like this is the next. Big form factor like this has the opportunity. It has the chance, right? Like that, there is enough even in an early version to be like, "Oh, this makes a lot of sense." Mm-hmm. That it's probably. I mean, a lot of people are saying it's like, "Oh, this is the next big form factor since the smartphone." I disagree with that. Uh, like my view on this is, this is the biggest form factor change since the Galaxy Note, since phones got big. Right. Like mm. that was a big change. Right. So We had smartphones and they were small. Then they got big. And that changed a lot about how we use them, how we interact with them, considerations that we need to make. Like it was a change because all this is really is just two phones like stuck together. Like it's not a completely new device, but like it feels like that is the biggest step since phones started getting large since the phablet. Yeah, but, a thing, potentially. Right?
0: And I, th- I think in that MKBHD review, I've watched a lot of videos, so I may be mudding the waters, but I think he talks a little bit about like, does this failure of this phone, does it like color this form factor forever? And I don't think it does. I mean, if you look at early smartphones, a lot of them were just like really pretty bad. And the iPhone was the mm-hmm. first good one, but even the first iPhone... Really wasn't all that good. It is thundering like crazy outside, by the way. So I apologize mm, if it sounds like that. thunderstorms wow, in your podcast. That was <laughs> yeah.
2: that was serious. Well,
0: yeah, as I as I mentioned, the first iPhone wasn't very good. Thunder rose behind me, so that's something to be concerned about. <laughs> oh dare you? Uh, <laughs> so I wonder. <laughs> uh, so I I think I agree with that. I don't think that the failure of this like Galaxy Fold version one. I don't think it means this form factor is doomed because I actually agree with you, Mike. I don't know for sure if this is the next big thing. It may or may not be, but it sure seems like it has a chance. And I think that that is still true today after all of the yeah, sort of madness like of the last week. The current – only current
2: possibility, right, which was which was like why all these technology companies started getting into VR. And still are, right? They can still put... Because it's like, well, this is a device that is the closest to the future that we have. So mm-hmm. we'll just put a bunch of money into it in the hopes that it will uh, it will keep pushing forward. And on that, there's this thing called the Oculus Quest, which is coming out soon, which is like it's completely untethered from a computer, which is... That is very intriguing as a as a device. And it runs full games. It's not like the Google Cardboard or whatever, like... Well, Proper games.
0: If so. you're Samsung, there is an added benefit to this being the future because Samsung will supply the screens for this thing, right? Like This is one of the reasons they need to make
2: this device work because they yeah. need to entice their partners, right? Like that's Absolutely. What there is so much riding on this for them, which is why it's so very unfortunate that this one didn't even make it out of <laughs> the door yet. Yeah. I have faith in them, though. I do because... You know, they're, they will be throwing everything they can at this to make this thing work. I can't even imagine the amount of money they are losing because they've made all these phones. Now, if they make a change that's big enough that they have to start again or they need to open them all and like do something to it. Like that is so much money that they are losing, mm-hmm. but they got to do it.
0: Yeah, it, it doesn't work now. So anyways, I feel like that's enough about the Galaxy Fold. Rest in peace. Never enough.
1: <laughs> never enough. Never, never.
0: So do we think that we will see uh, an updated Galaxy Fold? Or do we think Samsung sort of buries this for a little while and then they name it something else and it looks different, you know, six months from now? No,
2: I, th- I think like Galaxy Fold's coming out. Like I think it's happening. Within yeah. a few months time, yeah, it will happen. What I'm most intrigued about right now, though, is what's going to happen to Huawei's phone.
1: Oh, the Mate uh, X. Yeah.
2: The Mate Mm. X, yeah. Because... The screen on the outside, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seems a bad idea. (laughs) Seems like, in hindsight now, seems like potentially a risky proposition, unless they're doing things significantly different to Samsung.
0: Uh, We spoke several weeks ago now about the Power Beats Pro, which are the... uh, uh, sort of workout design, like uh, clips over your ear, wireless things from Beats. They are using the new what's the new chip called? The H1 chip. Yes. yes. Uh, they have a Hoy telephone. They have seems like what's well, going to be pretty good battery life. And these now have a ship date of May tenth. They're two hundred and fifty bucks. So they are more than the AirPods, but I think you get a. Uh, Uh, a a very different experience from the way these are designed and and the battery life increase and everything. So it seems like people are like, like just looking on Twitter and stuff, people seem really excited uh, Hmm. about these headphones, way more than I thought would be the case, honestly. I think that
2: this is a much better product if you have specific needs. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? Like this is, uh, AirPods is so much more general purpose and these Powerbeats are like, if you love that technology but you do heavy workouts I mean mm-hmm. you can't you might not be able to use airpods so you might not feel comfortable using them right like you might not feel they're protected enough for you to like instead of knocking them out um and there's you know they're water resistant sweat resistant i don't know how much airpods are at that uh and they've got like the different ear tips and stuff like that so for people that the airpods are not comfortable for you know like it, it is like um it's like AirPods Pro is like how I've been thinking about it in my mind. It's like mm. this is for a very specific type of user. Uh, and so it's not surprising to me that like the interest in them is not widespread, but amongst the people that care, they really they really care because they really want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Sylvia, she's been looking forward to this um, to the Powerbeats Pro, Um, she uses AirPods and she uses them a bunch. Like when she's choreographing and she's testing uh, a new choreography, she, you know, she puts AirPods on, but she doesn't love them because she says that they're not stable enough. And I think it's because she's one of those people where the shape of the AirPods is not ideal for yeah. the yeah. shape of her ears, and so she's been asking actually for the for the past couple of years, is Apple ever going to make truly wireless, um, the, the Power Beats with the with the ear hook uh, design? And she we're going to get a, a pair of these as soon as they're available. Um, and also the fact that they have customizable ear tips—that's mm-hmm. also a big win because you know if, if your if the design of your ear if the shape of your ear does not match the ideal vision of Johnny Ive um, designed uh, <laughs> earbuds, well, you're out of luck. Don't so you remember?
2: Cos- don't you remember the ears? The ears presentation. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes I do you do. not remember that when <laughs> yes, when like I they do. went to earpods, right? There were earpods for a while, just like lots of people's pictures of ears. That was fun. Yes. I'll yeah. put
0: a link in the show notes to that video.
2: I absolutely love my new AirPods. I really do. I've fallen in love with this product all over again. They're amazing. They're so, They're so good. good. Yeah. So good. Like yeah. it, it's it's the battery life is so much better. Uh, I actually really enjoy Siri. It's it's very useful to me. Yes. Um, And I'm wearing them. I mean, part of it is because I'm wearing them a bunch more uh, because now Adina is at home more. We're both wanting to listen to things. So we both use our AirPods. Um, But still, she still does it like they're just all over the house, just outside of the case. I can't fathom. She still does it? I can't fathom how you could live that way. This cannot go
1: on for any longer, Mike. You gotta find a solution to this problem.
2: I've told her, I said I've publicly shamed her about it, like and everything, (laughs) but she just doesn't care. She just puts them wherever she wants. Mm, It's maddening mm, to me. I just I don't see the benefit. Like I don't see how you could just take them out and just leave them on the kitchen counter. Like I don't get it. I don't understand people. I don't understand how they
0: work. It's very concerning. We have a lot more to talk about, but first let me tell you about our first sponsor. This episode of Connected is brought to you in part by our friends over at Hover. Buying a domain name is the first step in building your online identity. And with Hover, you can find a domain name that shows the world both who you are and what you're passionate about. It's hard when naming a project. Mike and I have told the story before. But when we were trying to name the network, it was like the biggest fight we've ever had. And we couldn't come up with a name. And we finally did. The first thing we did was what domain names are available. Because once you have that idea, you want to get the domain locked in to show the world what it's all about. One of my favorite features with Hover is about this, actually. If you have that word in mind, that name in mind, Hover has a really great domain search tool on their website. So you can type that name in, and it will suggest domain names that are available, and not just the kind of boring .com, .net, but all sorts of these new top-level domains. And it can spark new ideas, and you can go in, add it to your cart, and when you go to check out... You don't have to worry about upsells and like an interface that tricks you into buying things you don't want or don't need. It's a very clean user interface all the way throughout. And everyone needs a domain name. We all have projects. We all want to get them out on the web. And it's important for yours to stand out. So Hover has access to over 400 domain name extensions that you can choose from, which can help your brand and uh, your site stand out online. A really cool option is .me. It's a great extension to use with something like a portfolio to show everyone uh, the work that you want to, to share. So if you have a great personal website ready for launch, grab the .me extension. It's super popular, like I said, for personal portfolios, and it's a great way to stand out when sending your resume out into the world. The .dot.me domains are on sale this month at Hover for $9.99. That's 33% off your first year. And if you're new to Hover, you can get an additional 10% off any domain extension for your first year if you go to hover.com/connected. That's hover.com/connected. It's time for you to get your portfolio website up and running with a great and unique domain name. My thanks to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM.
1: I wanted to provide an an official update on things I've been up to, and uh, I think Mike knows sort of what I've been working on. As usual, I've been sending him little previews and snippets.
2: Uh, yes and no, actually. You've been sending me some stuff, more graphical stuff. Like images, I have absolutely no idea what this article is that you're working on. I have no idea what it is. I feel really left out.
1: Well, you've been you've been busy excavating things in your backyard. Steven. That's, that's yeah, no true. One,
2: no, everyone's been too scared to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want to, you know,
1: bother you. Yeah. Um. So, um, I've been working on this major story that I would like to have on the website before WWDC. Uh, it's like. Very big, in-depth um, story. Um, mo- so that I don't, I kind of don't want to spoil the topic, but let's just say that it's about the iPad. Weird. And yeah, I know, but oh. it's like to give you some context. This has been like an iOS review, like effort. Yeah. Um, so the type of depth and the type of like, I have a mind map and I have multiple chapters and multiple sections and. And I'm working on uh, really nice looking assets for the story, so it's it's the whole deal, right? There's going to be extras for club members. And there's going to be an ebook version, and all of that stuff. Um, so the the idea would be that this should come out before WWDC, um, just as a sort of as a as a final update before things change. So that would be my idea to kind of talk about the iPad from a very specific and personal angle before WWDC. The reason that I bring it up on, that I bring it up in the show is not just to build hype, because that's what I do. Uh, <laughs> but also I mean come on, you gotta you gotta You're a hype man. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Federico is the hype man. <laughs> there should be a poster for that. Um no, but um I kinda wanted to put out a call and I wanted to ask listeners. If there's any particular aspect of my iPad workflow, so the, the 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 ways that I work on the iPad, if you have any particular question that you would like to see, and I know this, this sounds super generic and, and vague, but bear with me. If there's anything particular about the way that I work on the iPad that you would like to know more about, send me a question on Twitter, send me an email, whatever. Uh, I just want to make sure that I can cover all the possible ground that I can with this story, mm-hmm. in the of course in the in the limits of the scope of the story, which is a pretty large scope. I will admit, but there's still going to be not not too many chapters, but it's pretty broad topic. So, so I mean, I'm a,
2: guessing it's like a drawing the line in the sand. This is where the iPad is before.
1: Yeah, kind right? okay. yeah, kind of yeah, okay. um, but sort of. F- from my perspective, and so going back through uh, sort of all the changes that I've been through over the past few years that I've been using the iPad, and sort of um, from that perspective of um, trying to evaluate how things changed and how they're they're better now in some ways, or they're maybe worse in, in other ways, and how they could go better, they they could get better at WWDC, and so it's not just and. Um, a summary of the ways that I work but also um, I bring forth some problems and some ideas for how things could get better but it's not in the style of the wish lists that I used to do so it's not in that style but it's got some wishes and, and it's something pretty unique it's somewhere in the middle of of an iOS review and more of a here's how I work type of story Mm -hmm. and it's it's been really fun putting this together and it's actually been easier for me to write about this stuff than it is to write an ios review even though the scope again is really similar Um, not the scope but maybe the length and the depth of the story is similar but it's been so much easier in terms of like you know i have a chapter that is about fifteen thousand words and that took me like three days to finish it's like that can never happen for an IUS review is that
2: because it, you don't have to research it's just coming yes. from your mind
1: it's just coming well I, I had to outline and to you know to sketch out a mind map well
2: yeah but i mean like you're not having to like do a bunch of work and uh, like here's a i have to understand how this works and watch this video and read this documentation to make sure i got all the points correctly because it's just your opinions and your usage as opposed to like let me tell you about how messages in the cloud is going to work or whatever
1: no really that that's exactly right and also if anything i think the the biggest problem has not been research but just memory just remembering things that i actually wrote about years ago that i had completely forgotten about and so i came more than once i came across when adding links to a uh, to a section that i'm editing and I'm Googling around, searching for old articles about a specific iPad feature or app. And I come across one of my stories. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess I wrote about this already years ago. So, uh,
0: yeah, I can imagine that that happens to Stephen a lot. You know, sometimes you just need to learn about the uh, the different versions of iSync and past Stephen had you covered. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, so... Um, Basi- that's basically what I'm doing now. If I'm 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 a bit less active on Twitter, um, maybe for at least another week to ten days because I, I think I'm about like I'm I'm approaching writing the last chapter, so that's a good sign. Uh, so I would say I'm about. Sixty to seventy percent done, maybe, which is good. Uh, but again, it's it's a much faster process that, than doing the iOS review. Even though, yeah. again, there will be all of the things that you're used to seeing when I do one of these stories. So. The extras and uh, talking about it on the podcast and the ebook version and tons of screenshots and all if of that. If you
2: want to talk about it on the show, you're going to have to do your usual thing. I need it. I'm going to need it very early, so I, so I can very slowly read through it as I want to do. Yes,
1: we will do that. You will get a, an advanced uh, press copy. Advanced screening. You yes. got to like put
2: my
0: name all over it in case it slips out. It's there, like a right?
1: watermark. My yeah.
0: curly. <laughs> it shows up on iFixit. You know who did it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um,
1: that's basically what I've been doing for the past couple of months, quietly behind the scenes. Um, and just writing for the past mm, three weeks, almost a month. Yeah.
0: That's great. I'm excited to see this because you have put so much stuff out there, but I think it's been a long time since you've done like an end-to-end, really inclusive look at like where things are in your sort of setup and workflow. And if that's what this is, then I'm definitely excited to read it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's what it is. Yeah, I always learn something from stuff like that.
1: I hope you will, <laughs> it means I've, I've done something right, so uh, yeah, uh, getting there, and uh, it, it will be fun to talk about um, in the context of uh, some of the ways that I work on the iPad these days, and sort of some of the um, sort of the tools that I've even commissioned to people to build for me, specifically, like, well, you'll see, it's gonna be fun to cover, yeah.
0: It is the year twenty nineteen. That means we have to talk about aperture. Apparently, okay. apparently. Sure. So, can
2: you know what yeah. actually before we get into this? Mm-hmm. Can you give us a little history lesson?
0: Well, there's a there's an article over at MacStories that I wrote last year about the history of aperture. You can go read. <laughs> this
2: is one of those things. Like I Google it and oh, I did, I did <laughs> <Yeah>. this. <laughs> yeah. How useful.
0: Uh, yeah, way to go. past Stevens. So if we wind the clock back to, I don't know, 2005, you had, like, iPhoto, iMovie, iDVD, and then Apple was making, like, pro versions of all those. So you had iMovie, but then you also had something like Final Cut, which, you know, so came along.
2: the consumer version of these products all come before the pro versions?
0: Uh,
2: I plead the fifth. Okay. Not. Did they ever make a pro version of iDVD?
0: That's basically uh, what I'm asking. yes. There was a tool. Oh, Joe, if he's around, will know.
1: What What does that mean? What you What you just said? Uh, D- you don't know D- what iDVD is? No, no. You, you You plead. No, you plead something.
0: Oh, plead the fifth. Uh, it means that I, I'm not sure of the answer and I don't want to incriminate myself. It's like an American legal system thing. It's an American thing. All right. There was There was DVD Studio Pro, Mike, pro from DVD Apple? authoring from Apple.
2: That's wild. I was just—I was making a dumb joke, but...
0: I've never seen that application run. <laughs>
2: wow, uh, okay.
0: You know, you have GarageBand and Logic, even the Apple bought Logic later on. Like, there was this idea of you have consumer versions, and then you have pro versions of these, like, creative Mac apps. And Aperture was sort of the the pro version of iPhoto. It came out in 2005, and then Apple... Like, Aperture's history, like, you really should go read this article... Aperture's history is very rough. Like there were rumors basically just all the time that it was canceled. There was a story in 2006 that Apple had disbanded the entire disbanded team.
2: Disbanded the team. I remember that. I remember As that. As reported
0: by Think Secret. So this is the era that we're Whoa. in. That,
2: that website <laughs> did not end well. No. Um, was that the one that Apple sued into oblivion? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> Why did they do that?
0: They they uh there was a story about some, I think about unreleased hardware or yes. something. And anyways, yep. wasn't that's this whole... the
2: hardware that they like, that it wasn't, wasn't some... real.
0: Potentially. Was it? Potentially. It mm. wasn't okay. real. It's that is up to debate. I should right. write about that. I'm putting that on my list.
2: You should write about that. What happened to think secret?
0: Mm hmm. I'm going put... to, you can literally hear Steven who... <laughs> writing this idea down. <laughs> <I'm putting> it, <laughs> what like typing happened, into notes? To, happened to, to think secret? Think on your secret, little notebook. Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Aperture 2 did eventually show up and it got better over time. And then it uh, Aperture 3 was the final version. And over time they sort of brought iPhoto and Aperture together. So eventually they could use the same photo library. So you could open your library either in iPhoto or Aperture. It got things like faces and places, you know, features we're used to today, kind of made the way into Aperture over time, but then Aperture was sort of put out to pasture in uh, 2014 was the final uh, version that shipped, version 3.6. And it that, when when the Photos app showed up, Apple sort of replaced iPhoto and Aperture at once. Now, lots of people weren't happy with that because Photos, even to this day, doesn't do some of the really... Like, like Aperture had a lot of really good tools for managing large numbers of photos. So, like, if you were a professional photographer... You could shoot tethered into Aperture, or you could import hundreds of images, and there were lots of good Mm -hmm. organizational tools. Like what we see in Lightroom now. People basically moved from Aperture to Lightroom if they needed that. The
2: replacement of uh, Aperture with Photos was not like Final Cut, Mm -mm. right? Where Final Cut was like, all right, it wasn't as great, but then over time, it became... Good. I mean, I don't know if it's exactly it, right? But like, it ever seems like most. I don't hear people complaining about it as much anymore.
0: Yeah, it um, it adopted all that pro stuff, released a lot of it. Photos just hasn't, it just hasn't you, done
1: you that. You can do a real working photos. That's
0: what you're. That's, that's what that's what some people are saying.
2: It seems like Apple were happier to abandon uh Aperture than they were Final Cut or whatever, right? Yeah, it yeah. seems like.
0: Well, you got to think that Final Cut was just much larger install base than Aperture ever was. Yeah. Because was Aperture actually good? So here's the thing. So, okay, so let's do the nose first. Now I'm going to come back to that question because mm-hmm. there's something I want to say about that. All right, the news is that Mac Rumors spotted a knowledge-based article that says, hey, if you're still running Aperture for some reason, <laughs> uh, it's not going to work after Mojave. And uh, the assumption is this is due Mojave. to the 64-bit transition that Aperture won't run uh, after Mojave. So – that's the news. That's why we're talking about this. It's not just that I am in some sort of fever dream about an old software program. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to die. And and the response to this has been vastly more interesting than I anticipated. When I read this article, I was like, huh, Aperture still ran a Mojave? Like, I kind of assumed it died off years ago, but it was still hanging on somehow. And uh, uh, people online seem to uh, – at least some people still – or we're using it. And I think it's for those features that photos never got, or maybe they didn't want to move to Lightroom or from what email I got, someone didn't want to move to Lightroom because they don't want the subscription that comes with that. Right. Cause it's part of the Adobe creative cloud. And I, I think that that's all really interesting. A that it was still around, but people were like, Oh yeah. Like aperture was like the last great Mac app Apple wrote. It's like, you didn't use aperture versions one or two. They were really bad. Like, Aperture in the beginning was a dog on all but the most powerful desktop Macs. It eventually got to a point where you could run it on a laptop, but that was not true in the beginning. Hmm. The specs said it would run, and I ran all three versions. I used Aperture for years, but it was so slow and so heavy, especially like in the pre-Intel days. It was just, it really was uh, a bit of a mess of an app for a long time. And Good I'm, icon, though. It was a great icon. And and a pretty good user interface for the time. But I I think that holding it up on this pedestal of like a great example of a fallen Mac app, like I I just don't know if it deserves to be in that hall of fame. You know, it was good at the end, but it took a long time to get there.
1: Is there a hall of fame for those apps?
0: Well, I mean, just, uh, I mean, there's one in my office. It's like a a marble shelf, and I have uh,
1: carved
0: out of granite. Uh, the icons of a couple apps. No, but,
1: no, but seriously, what are some of the good old fallen Mac apps? That's
0: a that is a that's a that's a good question. Um DVD Studio Pro. DVD Studio <laughs> Pro clearly that we forgot existed. I mean, I think you could put like the 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 pre-gutted version of Final Cut, you could put iMovie HD in there. You could put uh, I think really you could put like a Sort of midway through its life, version of iPhoto in there. You know, iPhoto mm. was incredible, and then they it got really bloated and slow, when, and then they couldn't reboot it. When it was it.
2: like the in was the thing. God, it was so good. Like what's, we what's could just scrolling. Well, that's where scrolls like butter comes from, right? iPhoto. That's where that that phrase comes from. Like because you you could scroll the library, right? Like you could just like scroll through your library, and it would run really smoothly, yeah. faster
0: mm. than like a Finder window with all those photos in it.
2: It was it was really mm-hmm. a very, very, very impressive thing. And they did the uh, way you would be able to, like, run your mouse over the like the collection and you would be able to, like, scan through all mm-hmm. the images. Right. They would, like, change yep. the cover image in front of me. I thought it was an incredible application. Like It was. The uh, iPhoto was the result of like the first. Do you remember the first scoop that me and you ever got? Do you remember that?
0: I do. Uh, there was... I'm going to see if I can find this. So it, it
2: was... Uh, they used to have, like... You could geolocate. You could have, like, geolocation for the for uh, your images, right? And I noticed one day that the map looked weird. Like, it didn't look like Google Maps hmm. when I was looking at, like, my home or whatever. And it turned out to be... What was it? Like, open map or something?
0: Open street map.
2: Yep. And Because th- this was before... Uh, OpenStreetMap. This was before... Actually, not that long before, I think, Apple abandoned Google Maps. Um, But it was, like, well-known at that point that there... There you go. It was well-known at that point uh, that it was going to happen. I like... I really enjoy Stephen's updates on this post, which is just listing all of the cool places... <laughs> that yeah. the, it got shared. The next web, The Verge, daring Fireball, and then OpenStreetMap themselves. Uh, I got <laughs> my fire though.
0: In <laughs> at the bottom, got my fire.
1: You just, you just get all, all the, all the people
2: who link to you at the, at the. Hey, you know what?
0: Twenty twelve was a different time in blogging. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, it was that. That was fun, right? Like that was the, that was one of the great things of I Photo, and the, the reason I noticed is because I used to meticulously. Categorize my photos.
0: Yeah. Um, I
2: actually was looking for some images the other day, and uh, on an external hard drive, I have a backup of my uh, iPhoto library. Um, and it's like a bunch of images or whatever, and I have all of the stuff that is important to me, but it was something that I was looking for, and, and I pulled out this drive, and I ended up opening iPhoto on my iMac, which was not a thing I thought I could do anymore. Uh, turns out you can still do that. So this is why iPhoto's in my mind so much, because I was just in iPhoto like three or four days ago, which was a fun experience for me. And I because oh. I went to the faces, and everybody's names are listed there. If you were in a picture of mine, and I knew who you were, I created like a face like for you, right, and named it and everything. But I don't do. I, I have like twelve people on my uh, photos, like the, the current version of photos, uh, for all of that information. So like, I don't. I just don't really. I don't really go for the categorization anymore. But I used to. I used to be big on it. Uh,
0: photos. Yeah. Aperture. Toads dead.
2: Yeah. So. Can somebody tell me, because Apple is saying, oh, move it to Photos.app or Lightroom Classic. What is Lightroom Classic? Does anybody know what that is?
0: It is the version of Lightroom that was the current version until maybe like a year ago, and it has a lot of those like big library import-type tools. Oh. Lightroom, I think they're calling it Lightroom CC or Lightroom Cloud. I I don't have either installed, so forgive me if the the Mm -hmm. name's not quite right. Uh, It is... More, uh, more, I think, kind of more like Photos, where like it wants to sync off your images to a cloud service, and I think it lacks some of the features that the old Lightroom did. Uh, I think if you were really dependent on workflows in Aperture, the classic Lightroom is probably a better fit.
2: Hmm. Okay.
0: But just move it to Photos. Photos is fine.
2: I want to know if literally any of our users are still using Aperture. I just want to know.
0: Uh, send a tweet to iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Yeah.
2: yeah, and I will follow up with a, with a detailed list on next week's episode <laughs> if required.
0: This episode is also brought to you by our friends over at Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. It lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain name, award-wing templates, and more. Maybe you want to create uh, an online store, or maybe you want to have a portfolio, or maybe you want to have a blog where you write about the great Mac apps that have come before and are now gone. You can do all of that stuff with Squarespace. It's an all-in-one platform, and that means there's nothing to install. There's no software patches to worry about. No server upgrades are needed. You don't have to worry about that kind of stuff because Squarespace simply has got it covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They allow you to quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of these award-winning templates, they're beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I've used Squarespace over the years for several sites that I've built for friends and family or organizations in town where they need to uh, have something that you know I could put together and then they manage moving forward. That's the great thing about Squarespace. You don't have to be some sort of PHP wizard or something to go in and update the content and the look of your site. Their web editor makes all of that really easy. So you can focus on the content and the message of your site and not worry about, oh, am I going to break it if I do this? It's really easy to use for any type of user. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash connected. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code CONNECTED to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain name and to show your support for this show. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash CONNECTED and the code CONNECTED to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website.
2: All right. So should we talk about uh, Steven's app influencer status.
1: You're an, you're an app director, maybe. You could be one of those.
0: Is that still a job?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a thing again in 2019. No, I'm I'm kidding. Um, you should totally go with influencer.
2: It's better.
0: What is happening in this segment? Okay, so. Mike, tell us what's going on with Overcast.
2: So there's been a uh, last week, I think over the weekend, uh, Marco put out an update to Overcast, which included the ability to share audio clips. So you will now be able to at any point in a show... You can press the share button and you can create a clip inside of Overcast, the podcast playing application, uh, which I'm assuming most of our listeners probably use or know about. Actually, I know that most of our listeners use and know about. <laughs> I actually know this information. Uh, so then it opens up a new UI in the application that lets you create an audio or video clip that you can then share uh, on social media stuff, which solves a problem of the shareability and virality of podcasting in general, which is a thing that Stephen was talking about in a podcast interview that ended up influencing this feature to be made by Marco for this current version of Overcast.
0: Pod-fluencing, I think is the word you're looking for.
2: That was it. Yeah, that was definitely what I was looking for.
0: Yeah, because uh, it is such an interesting problem, right? With text, you can just block quote something. With video, say it's on YouTube... You can very easily make a URL that jumps right to that time marker. But with audio, because it's – with podcasting in particular, it's so distributed, which is the way that open podcasting should be. This is a good thing for for the community of podcasts. But the downside is there's not a great way to share something. Overcast had timed links, but –
2: You can do that, but then if you don't listen to podcasts in Overcast, you can't do anything with it, right? Like you're saying that with YouTube you can do this, but you only can watch YouTube videos on YouTube. You don't have a choice, right? So like if you are a Castro user and someone shares an Overcast link, it's like, great, I can listen to these 20 seconds of this show randomly in the middle, Mm -hmm. but I can't do anything else with it that is easy.
0: Yeah, and we even, to to pull the curtain back a little bit, like the web player on the Relay site, actually has a feature where we could send out a link with a timestamp. But even then, people want to listen in their podcast client, or ideally, just wherever they are already. So if you're on Twitter, Mm -hmm. and someone shares something, or you're in Instagram stories, or you're on MySpace, wherever you are, you just want to see it there. And that's what Marco's feature seems to solve.
2: Yeah, because then it's it's also more fun, I think, to have a little video clip to share than it is like, here's this URL, right? Like, it's just not as... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just not as... It's not as fun. Like, it's it's a different kind of thing. And I'll tell you as well, the official Twitter app is the best place to watch these clips because you can open up the video and you can minimize mm-hmm. the video and just keep scrolling and you can drag the mm-hmm. video around like its own picture-in-picture. I picture.
1: Mm. Oh, spe- Speaking of which, just a quick aside, uh, I've been... Using the Twitter app for like two months, three months at this point, totally fine. I Well, you're I, using a
2: beta version, right? You're not using not, the official version? Not anymore. Not anymore. Okay. I have the normal version now. Um When you say you're using it, what does that mean?
1: I don't have Tweetbot or Twitterific or any other third-party client on my devices okay. anymore. Whoa. Okay. Yeah.
2: So I'm intrigued about this because we're going back to this again, but from a very different place to the last time we had this conversation. Yeah. How do you deal with stuff like timeline syncing? Or do you just not care I don't anymore.
1: anymore. I just gave up. Look. So at, what, <laughs>
2: what does that mean for you, though? Like, are you just like not bothering to look at as much stuff?
1: It means two things. Um, actually, three things. So, there's three options. Either I open Twitter again, and it's uh, kept in memory the last place where I was in my timeline and the iOS app has actually gotten better at restoring your previous spot in the timeline so if it works then great option two I there's too many tweets or the app has not kept my place in the timeline so because I there's a chronological option now which I think it was the impetus that sort of pushed me to try the twitter app again and eventually stick into it um so if the ti- if the timeline restoration didn't work i just scroll to the top and read my timeline
2: backwards so i start that's from like the latest tweets that's like super s- old school right? yeah. like i remember doing that back in the day with like twitterific and tweety or whatever yeah. when they wouldn't save where you were and you just keep going back until you mm-hmm. recognize something
1: yeah and and that Like, for years, I thought, oh, I will never be able to do that again. But then I realized, you know, if I don't want to spend as much time on Twitter as I used to, scrolling all the way to the top and then going backwards is a pretty good method of Mm. you can see the latest stuff, so you can see the latest things that people are talking about. And if you want, you can also reply to people. But I think it's better if you're replying to a tweet that was sent one hour ago instead of 19 hours ago. Because I guess
2: one of the things that's better now than it used to be is like if somebody's having a conversation or whatever, you don't yeah. see it in reverse because Twitter brings it all up together, right? Yes,
1: and that's actually great because it's a great way to see conversations that started like many, many hours ago, but now you can see the fresh context, like the latest replies to a conversation, which works really well for me. So this change of behavior scrolling backwards from top to bottom. I thought I would never be able to do that myself, but it's actually been working fine. The third option, which is the more nuclear one, that I also thought, well, I will never do this because I'm not that kind of person, but it turns out that I am, is I switch from latest to home. So instead of
2: chronological timeline, to
1: the algorithmic timeline.
2: And I if maintain be- that... that- Twitter's algorithm is good enough that they are always yeah. right. I always want to see what they put at the top. Exactly. So if I'm super behind on Twitter, like
1: for example this past week, where I've been writing for like seven hours a day, and I just mm-hmm. I'm, I don't open Twitter because I gotta be concentrated on writing. I open Twitter, switch from latest to home, and sure enough, I've seen interesting things that belong to my kind
2: of sphere of interests like uh i do wish that that toggle was an actual toggle though
1: yeah it's kind of clunky to switch because it
2: just changes no because like just like randomly like on its own it decided it wanted to change me to be home now rather than like you know what i mean oh
1: mine mine now is sticking to latest because i think it sort of it learns from your habits after a while so now mine is always uh, latest by default Mm. but yeah, the the home timeline, the algorithmic one.
2: I sense a challenge here. I, th- I think I'm going to give it a go.
1: And, a- and also, like, I-, I wrote about this years ago, and I think it's still true. Once you get... So if the Twitter app works for you, if you get used to the features of the official client, it's going to be real hard to go back to third-party clients. And I love third-party clients, right? But the conversation view... The notifications for all kinds of things you want to see, the f- the complete search that allows you to search for tweets that go back and, and like just years stuff, like, ago, polls, polls, and yeah. the the the, the, the e- excellent image support, gifs and videos, you know all this kind of stuff that is native to Twitter. I I gave up on trying to to use the third party clients months ago and. Um, the chronological timeline makes it work for me sure the ipad app is not great but also you know i want to i want to spend less time on especially on the ipad a
2: lot of the things that made third party apps good uh, they lost their advantage when the api stuff changed like the multi column views and yep. stuff are just less useful when the notification streaming api went away right like yep. we spoke about that at the time like i used tweetbot in one column view on the ipad
1: uh, and so, uh, using using the the timeline this way, and my method that I actually wrote about on MacStories Stories to see a con- uh, like a unified view for mentions and quote tweets and people who use my name, um, in a single like a like a saved search, I wrote about it on Max Stories a couple of months ago. That works totally fine, so I can have. A unified mentions view, like in Tweetbot, which is great. So, um, yeah, this was just an aside to say that yes, I agree with you. The overcast well, uh, video clips are perfect for Twitter.
2: I am gonna, I'm gonna take the Federico challenge that you didn't give me, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I've moved Twitter to my doc. On my iPhone, yeah. and I'll do the yeah. same on my iPad, and I'll try it over the next week, and we'll report back on next week's episode. Stephen, are you willing to take this challenge? He's not on Twitter. Why would he take? <laughs> He's sometimes on it. Would <laughs> oh, I take your silence as a
0: no? Raid on that your one. silence. <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll do it. I'm not on Twitter much, but I'll, I'll I'll do it.
2: Yeah, but like you could try it for a day and bail, but like yeah. then you can at least say why it didn't work for you. But
0: then you would win, and you get smug when you win about when you win. So. There's no winning. There's no there's what no that. winning state about this.
2: Can we bet on it? Why? What <laughs> are we betting? What is everything? <laughs> what is the bet? What's the bet? Who wants
0: to score everything we do?
2: <laughs> I know. Yes.
0: Okay, back to Overcast. There is uh, a little bit of a, a issue. So you go in, you. Create your clip. You have a lot of options. You want vertical video, horizontal, square, so you can think about where you're going to share it. You can kind of make some adjustments on some uh, badging on it. But then if you say that you want to share the video and the link, that's kind of a two-step process because of the uh, – some- some limitations in the share sheet. But Federico, you think there there may be a workaround or is there a better way to do this?
1: It's not Marco's fault. So to, to, to okay. give you the the conclusion uh, up front, uh, Marco wanted to share multiple items uh they're called activity items because uh, in, on ios the share sheet is governed by the ui activity api so marco wanted to share multiple activity items at the same time so both a link and a video file um which in theory is possible on ios but what he discovered is that so many third party apps do don't do a good job at um Accepting multiple items shared behind the scenes from one app to another via the share sheet. So um, I did some research because I remembered writing about this. And in fact, in my iOS 9 review, um, I noted that Apple made Apple made some improvements around how third-party apps can show up in the share sheet if they support at least one of the items that one app is passing as activity items. So before iOS 9, let's say that um, Mike is a developer and he created, let's say, what what can you be a developer of this time? One, two,
2: three, Twitter client.
1: Mike is the developer of one, two, three. No, Twitter client doesn't work. Mike is the developer of one, two, three, uh, graphic editor. And it's an app that lets you share um, images, both as PDF versions and jpegs and so he implements the share sheet and he shares both files with the share sheet before ios 9 the extensions that you would see appear in the share sheet were only for those apps that explicitly said to the system we support both pdf and jpeg but if you only supported one of the two, so either a PDF or a JPEG, you would not show up in the share sheet at all, which was terrible in iOS 8. In iOS 9, Apple made this change saying, okay, if only if only even if you support just one of the multiple formats that are passed as activity items, you will appear in the share sheet. And by default, you will accept just the item that you support which is great because it allows, you know, a consistent experience of you see always the same apps in the share sheet and all of that. The problem is that, uh, again, as Marco noticed, so many developers don't do the work of saying, we can we can read multiple data items at the same time and accept those at the same time and share them. So you oh. fi- you find yourself in the situation of Overcast is sharing both a link and a video. But then the extension that you pick, whether it's a Twitter client or an email client, whatever, only shows you the video or maybe only shows you the Which link.
2: Which is arguably a worse experience because yeah. it is unknown, right? That's it's the a, problem. It's, yeah. yeah,
1: it's unknown and less obvious. And so you, what Marco did, I think, is the right call until Apple provides some kind of better system maybe uh, of... By default, I'm just going to share the video because that's the most important part. It's the video clip. And then I'm going to put a, a button in the toolbar to copy the link to the episode. So the, the perfect workflow at this moment will be you copy the link to the clipboard and then you share the video. Uh, you use whatever app or whatever extension you want to insert the video clip and then you manually paste the link that you've copied to the, to the clipboard. Um, which is, I think, is uh, again, that's the right call um ideally there should be you know some changes around how the share sheet and the activity api stuff works uh but you know um i ca- i kind of wish that I, that the marco shipped the option maybe as an as an advanced feature because i would have had fun uh, scripting that with shortcuts that would, have been, that would have been something to deal with the video and the link at the same time. Would have been fun. So uh, maybe there could be like a secret gesture or a secret, uh, secret keyboard shortcut like the Konami code that lets you share both video and link at the same time. <laughs> that
2: is a convoluted way to share something. <laughs> right, up, down, up, down.
1: <laughs> to be fair, though, how many people use Overcast on an iPad with a smart keyboard attached? Uh, that could be a konami code that nobody knows about just me and i could be i would be able to share with shortcuts no, but the, the video and the code. Link. the tichi
2: co- what is the tichi <laughs> keyboard shortcut
1: it's the um all right the tichi code would be the hex color code of the italian flag
2: that feels like a lot of characters that's, a l- well, that's pretty long <laughs> well <laughs> you you got to you
1: got to commit to the secret code if you want to wow. have a secret code <laughs>
2: What is that? What is it? Can someone work that have out? No I want to know what it is now.
1: <laughs> I have no idea, honestly.
2: Um, Please tweet at us. <laughs> yeah, I want
0: the whole thing. Mike will see That's it in the official app serious. in two days.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something like that.
0: Cool. Yeah, I, I think it's an awesome feature. It's so good.
2: Having spoken about this on upgrade, um, as well like it's been fun over the last few days because it's been encouraging people to send clips to me and jason which is amazing and the things they liked about the episode and it is wild to me that like 90 percent of the clips that we've seen have been about the same thing uh which is just this one little joke that we made about lasers and it's that is not what i would have expected people would have clipped even as what we and me and jason thought was the funniest moment of the episode but so it's considering like i think a lot of the time i feel like i work in a vacuum Like, I make things and I release them, but you don't really know particularly what people enjoy. You hear about, like, people say, like, they liked the episode quite a lot, or they will say, like, uh, they want to talk about a specific thing, good or bad. It is super nice to be able to see what people are clipping and sharing about a specific thing. And this isn't just my own shows. I have been really enjoying looking at people who I follow online share clips from their favorite podcasts. You know, like I've seen a lot of hypercritical clips and You Look Nice Today clips and Dubai Friday clips and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really fun because I listen to all those shows. So I press it and I'm like, oh, I remember that moment. And that was brilliant. Um, so I encourage, there's also been some Weird Fish clips, of course, not like the P-H-I-S-H, our Federico's Weird Fish
1: oh no fish are weird at uh, the band fish but uh, the, the, we're talking about yeah
2: but that's that was just wasn't what i was you know we were talking yes. about marco and i figured it might confuse people but uh so i you know i'm sure we all do encourage you to if you ever find something you enjoy about our show share that clip and if you do want to please tag us in it because i like listening to it um i think it helps I think it helps. We have, uh, courtesy of underscore in the chat room, we have the full code. Would you like me to read the code? Yes, please. Yes. Hash 118336, hash FF FFF, FFFF hash C0162A. That is the full Federico mm, code. I feel like he should be in Italian oh, as hang well. Hang on a second. Spoken. Real-time follow-up, oh. real-time follow-up. So what... Uh, underscore got is I'm sure is just like the hex codes of green Ooh, and white But there's an and official red. one. Kate has found via Wikipedia an official specified by law hex code for the Italian flag which is completely different. Which is hash 008C45 hash F4 F5F0 hash CD212A That is the official as specified by law, hexadecimal yeah. code for the trickle law. So it's not quite wow. pure
0: white. It's got a little, little fanciness in there.
2: <laughs> you put a little on it, you know, put a bit of mustard mm. on that thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Well, glad we got that sorted out on this. Uh, <laughs> no, the, 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 the,
1: the more you know, uh, we have laws that govern colors of flags. Um, it's like branding guidelines.
2: Just, it's not a surprise. Mm-hmm. we have we have like the hexadecimal codes for all of the real AFM stuff. I'm sure you do too, Federico. It's kind of like a flag.
1: Well, yeah, well will see if does. I, I have no yeah. idea what type there of red is, There is have.
0: one, right? There is a hexadecimal code for the There is, is one the somewhere, flag. yes. Yes. Are, are we done with this part now? I feel like we've covered the flag so. colors pretty well. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was the most important part. we we'll could be proud of that. Okay, we have one final sponsor this week and that is our friends over at Away. Away makes smart premium suitcases because your luggage shouldn't cost more than your plane ticket. And if you think about when you're traveling, maybe you're stuck in an airport or you're just running around trying to catch a flight, the number one thing you need is more battery. And when you buy an Away suitcase, you can charge all of your devices while you travel. Both sizes of their carry-on feature USB ports with a battery large enough to charge your phone five times from a single charge. Go to awaytravel.com slash connected, and you can browse Away suitcases, all featuring premium German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance, yet still lightweight. You can choose from over 10 colors and five sizes. The carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, the large, or the kids carry-on for the smaller travelers among us. And Away cuts out the middleman so you can get first-class luggage at coach prices. Away suitcases feature a patent-pending compression system, which is great if you're like me and you overpack, and they come with these four 360-degree spinner wheels. Away's carry-ons are compliant with all major U.S. airlines while maximizing the amount you can pack with things like TSA combination locks built right in. They also feature a removable, washable laundry bag, so while you're away, you can separate your clean clothes from your dirty ones. I took a flight a couple of months ago and I ended up stuck in the Charlotte airport for like five hours. I missed my connecting flight and was just stuck in the terminal and hunting around looking for a place to plug in my iPhone. And then I remembered I'm traveling with an away suitcase. I had the battery with me so I could charge my phone. I could sit where I wanted to. And I didn't feel like I was hogging an outlet because I was just charging it from my suitcase. It was awesome. Away believes in the quality of their products, and that's why they offer a lifetime guarantee. If anything breaks, they'll fix it or replace it for life. And they have a 100-day trial with a no-questions-asked return policy with free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states. So go to awaytravel.com slash connected, and if you use the code connected at checkout, you'll get $20 off any of their suitcases. It's awaytravel.com/slash connected and use the code connected for $20 off. Thank you so much to Away for their support of this show and Relay FM.
1: I'm sorry to do this to you guys, but I feel like we have very important real-time follow-up on the matter okay. of flags um, yeah it's,
2: it's popping off in the chat room <laughs> <laughs> they go wild in there about this
1: we should mention it uh, so uh, underscore David Smith went on the uh, he says seemingly official government website <laughs> and he has a point it's not even HTTPS I mean come on how expensive is a, an SSL certificate for the Italian government after all the taxes we pay but anyway
2: um, oh whoa, there, there we well. go yeah, it's Step, popping off stand now back <laughs>
1: Uh, so the uh, the government website uses a slight variation of the previous color. So this one would be 9246 six f f f f 2 b 37 in a very popular color scheme. Uh, but Kate noticed how on Wikipedia, in fact, they mentioned how the color that she discovered only applies to flags produced on polyester fabric b- bunting?
2: Is yeah, that- bunting is like um, it's like flags, like l- little flags. Why polyester though? What if I well, wanted to make a cotton Italian flag or a silk Italian flag? You would you would get arrested in in, in Italy. Oh, you cannot. Is it polyester have, only. Is that the you law? You cannot
1: have a cotton flag. Oh. That, that's against
2: well, the law. You learn something new every day.
1: Yeah. Uh, so,
2: I declined the cookies on your government website. I'm such a rebel. Yeah, you shouldn't trust those. Uh, decline
0: them. Yeah. Like, I, have a, I have a lot of questions about this website, but we don't have time for that. Yeah,
1: them. I have a lot of questions about the government, but we don't have time for that. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I do I,
0: like, I don't know what this says. So, hopefully, this isn't something bad, but like halfway down the page on the right hand side, there's a graph and it's like an arrow shooting out the top of the colors of the Italian flag. It's very exciting. It's a very exciting graphic.
2: What does that say, Federico?
0: Do you see it? It's
2: Contrati
0: Disfilupo?
2: Yeah, that arrow is bull.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so. Well, we had a pretty good show this week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it's...
2: Uh, what is the arrow
0: signifying? Is it like growth uh, in economy?
1: Yes, but. Again, I would rather not talk about any of
0: this. Okay, okay. Let's, let's talk about something more exciting than government <laughs> websites. RSS apps for the Mac.
1: Oh, no, no, no. Why for the Mac? Why just Mac and iOS?
0: Mac and iOS. Why? Well,
1: you can't Look, do real RSS on, a, on an iPad. I mean, the app that we're going to talk about, I haven't tested it on a Mac at all. So if you. If you... Oh, it
0: translates to
2: development contracts. Oh my God! It's still Which looking- <laughs> very—it sounds very like, like <laughs> Sopranos. Like, oh. I'm done now. I'm done now. <laughs> Reader Four, Reader
1: Four. So, um, here's some context. A bunch of people have been asking me, and in my abses- absence on Twitter, John Borges, why we didn't have a review of Reader Four on MacStories. Uh, Reader 4 is a new version of the popular Reader with 2e, Reader by uh, Swiss developer Silvio Rizzi. Uh, He launched the new version last week, I think, both on the Mac and iOS. The Mac version has been in public beta for a few months. The iOS version, I received the beta a few days before the public launch on the App Store, but uh, we had no details uh, about the public launch and... Because of the way that we operate with our reviews, we do not like to rehash uh, change logs and let them pass as "quote unquote" reviews. Uh, we actually want to use apps before we write about them. But we had, you know, we had no idea we should be writing about the app. So that's why mm-hmm. we don't have a review. But I still decided to to buy the app from the app store and use it myself and see what it would be like. Um, and there's a there's a few really interesting things that I wanted to to talk about it. Um so I assume we're all familiar with reader uh either from the Mac or from the from iOS right
2: Yeah it's been around forever
1: Yeah all right. Um, so this new version, one of the reasons that it took a long time to the point where a bunch of people were wondering whether the developer was still around and working on the app or not, is that it's been busy um, rewriting the foundation of the app to have a common code base um, between the Mac and the iOS version. But this is happening before Marzipan.
2: It's a curious decision.
1: Exactly. So I'm wondering... Will this be a bunch of wasted work next month, essentially? So, if the goal was to have a shared code base, like at a very high level, would have been preferable to wait for Apple's solution and see what it would be like,
2: unless unless there is just some. I mean, I don't know. Who knows how apps work? Nobody knows. Uh, the, <laughs> nobody knows. Nobody knows. Mark, it's Marco impossible knows. Know.
1: Underscore
2: knows. But there's a, only the two no, people. It's who just know. the two of them. They're the only people that know. Maybe there's like a bunch of stuff that he would have had to have done, right? Like there's okay. just like a bunch of things that the app is doing. Yeah, but even then. Yeah, I don't know. I can't get my head around this one so much.
1: But my question is, um, so we have no idea if maybe there was like, he only wanted to share some elements of his code and just
2: it's not strictly about the UI. I don't because know. Because I but think about something like PCALC. Right. Which, from talking to James, I know that there's a lot of shared code between those two versions and PCALC's been around forever, like the, the Mac and iOS version. Right. But like, I don't know how much of it he... I don't know. Who knows how this stuff works? We've already been over that. Nobody does.
1: But my question is, when, such as in this case, the stated intention is to share the same code base uh, across multiple platforms, I haven't seen much criticism of his decision to have essentially, you know, it looks like the same app experience on the iPad and the Mac from what I've seen. Mm. But when a developer says they're excited about Marzipan, for some people that's just like blasphemy, like saying something that is extremely bad. Um, is it just because it's it's a, it's an Apple technology, or is it because it's an extreme of that idea? Because developers are already doing this; they are already sharing code bases between apps well. and.
2: I think a lot of it is, like, judging books by their covers. Mm-hmm. The reader for, for Mac doesn't look like an iOS app. Like, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the page, right? The design, it still looks pretty Mac-like. Like, it's very simple. It's like the more kind of uh, standard Mac design of today, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the post-iOS 7ification of all all applications, right? Like, that yeah. flat look. But they do not look like the same application.
0: And, and I'm running it, and it, it feels... And this is a topic I want to get to. It feels very much like reader three. It doesn't feel like a lot has changed. And so maybe this code they're referring to is sort of like low level dealing with syncing, dealing with feed fetching, or, you know, that sort of stuff. And the UI code and, and sort of the look and feel is all kind of the same as it was.
1: Well, I think it's interesting how there's um developers who are developers who are already, you know, sort of having this idea of Let's just make one experience uh, across
2: platforms. It makes total sense. I mean, I think that's why Marzipan is coming now, because that's got to be the general cons- like consensus amongst a lot of companies of like, why do I still put all of this work into all of these separate versions of my application? It's why stuff like Electron exists, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, how much effort can we put into supporting every platform? and you know like electron apps run on platforms where like you know like the mac and windows where it's like it would be really beneficial for us because nobody's like mega excited or like the general public is like population is not mega excited about the application development on these platforms right like it's it's smartphones now right and tablets that people seem to be excited about so we'll just we can do this so let's just do this and that's Mm -hmm. how stuff like electronics apps continue to proliferate right because it's consolidating the amount of development that you have to do where you can and, and so I figure like you see something like this and it's like yeah I would like to unify the work so there's stuff that I don't have to continue duplicating and like redoing over and over again like I can imagine it, it's it got to get pretty tiring to like every time you want to build a, a feature on one platform you have to find a different way to build it on the other platform which is why I think ultimately that Marzipan mm. will be a good thing for these reasons right like In theory, as long as everything can be implemented in a tasteful way that works well, it should make stuff easier for people, like to be able to Mm. offer multiple versions of applications on multiple platforms.
1: Uh, I have an anecdote for you. Um, So until a few years ago, by the end of the year, I used to do on Mac Stories both the must-have iPad apps and the Mm -hmm. must-have iPhone apps as two separate stories. But then what happened, and this happened for like two years, maybe three years, is that I would write one of the articles first, but because so many of the, let's say the iPad apps were also my must-haves on the iPhone, I found myself in the situation of having to rewrite the same section for the same app, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. Because I already talked about it in the previous over in the previous article, and so eventually I decided to just make one article, one story about must-have iOS apps. Yeah,
2: especially as iPad app development slowed down
1: as well. Yeah, right exactly. Over time, so I just decided to do a single story where I could talk about all of the apps and and do even more of them in a single with a with a single effort. And so in a way, that's kind of like. I'm not a developer, but I can relate to the idea of why would you want to do the same work twice in a slightly different way? Um, So, anyway. Reader 4, there's a bunch of cool things that I want to mention and maybe suggest a few improvements. so the app is just as fluid and, and like, it's, it's a pleasure to use. And this has always been true for Reader. Uh, you know, it's th- the way that the animations and the gestures uh, work, it's, it's very well done. What I appreciate in this version, so it's, it's kind of hard for me to tell exactly what's new. So these couple of things I actually noticed. There's better keyboard navigation on the iPad. So there's more keyboard shortcuts to navigate your unread items. And open the the browser and, you know, share items, mark them as red from the keyboard. So that's really well done. I wish that that there was more keyboard control going on. I don't think the current keyboard shortcuts are not enough. You cannot control the entire app. So, for example, you cannot use the arrow keys to switch between folders in the sidebar. Uh, Whereas I think there should be, like, if you want to do keyboard shortcuts, great. But you should also consider doing full on keyboard navigation. And to every screen and every element should be selectable and associated with a keyboard shortcut these days on iPad. So that could be improved. Um, I really like the fact that there's now a full layout on the iPad, matching what is possible on the Mac. So you can show three columns at once. You can have your uh, sidebar, your uh, article list, and the article view all up on screen at the same time, which is great on the iPad Pro. So you can have three columns on the big iPad Pro, uh, move between articles with the keyboard. It works really well. Um, So the And again, I wish that more developers actually did this on the iPad, you know, use a three-column layout. Uh, And I was actually in touch with a a developer recently of one of the apps that I use a lot. I don't want to call it out in case he doesn't want to. Um, But I asked for this kind of column layout. And he mentioned how he was using the default um, split view control that Apple provides as an API for developers to have on the iPad a sidebar, and a content view on the right. And he mentioned how he would like to do a more custom Mac-like layout on iPad, like multiple columns, multiple, you know, um, content areas. But that will require a custom implementation right now. And and he's, you know, he mentioned something really interesting that maybe Marzipan, because of the way that, um, uh, you know, the idea of bringing iPad apps to the Mac, and on the Mac, it is very common to have at least three columns um, you have a sidebar, you have an item list and you have an item view. That is very common for a Mac app. Maybe that will be you know, that will push Apple to say we should also offer this type of layout as an API for iOS developers. So that was a really fascinating point. Maybe we were thanks to Marzipan, we will have that kind of influence back towards the iPad of if you want to bring this to the Mac then you can also have this control this API on the iPad, which would be nice. Um There are some other minor additions in Reader 4, um, better ways to have image previews. And this is something that I do not quite understand. Um, There's a new built-in reading list feature um, that allows you to save articles for later, which is great. But you cannot save articles from other apps. It's just a reading list for things you discover in your RSS. And how's that different from starring some article from your RSS and finding it later? I think it would make so much more sense to have a Reader extension that lets you save any article, any link from Safari or Twitter or whatever. Instead, this is a built-in reading list for Reader, but it only applies to items that you save from Reader itself. So if you come across an article on Twitter or Safari or whatever, you cannot save it to Reader. So there should there yeah. should be an extension. And there's
0: uh, and there's support for Read It Later services. So you can hook up your Instapaper account to Reader, but it treats it like it's RSS articles, like the, the UI isn't personalized enough, I don't think, for that sort of content. And like to your point, if there was a, a share extension for this or you could send stuff to it, then I could like send like potentially get stuff from somewhere into my instapaper account via Reader, like it feels like that side of things just isn't done enough for for what I would want. Yeah.
1: So, uh, and there's also support for bionic reading, which is not a, a not a, a feature for people listening to old mic shows, but it's a um, right. it's a it's a feature that's it, it sort of tries to make it easier to read text on the web more quickly. How? But. It, it makes the first few letters of a word bold. in makes the font bold of the first few letters of any word, which in theory allows you to scan words more quickly.
2: I'm looking at the website and I can't read this paragraph.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's um, let's just say, opinionated. It's, um,
2: it's too, it makes it like I can only read one word at a time.
1: It reminds me of the dyslexia font somehow. I don't know why.
2: Well, I, th- I think the, the the like the open dyslexia font. Like, it, I think it has um, a lot of like loops and stuff. And some letters yeah. are thicker. Yeah. So there's like a, a thickness difference in Maybe the, in the letters. So I think that's what it is. Yeah. But I can't read this. It, this is upsetting to me. I'm sure it works for some people, right? But yeah. uh, that does not work for my it, brain.
0: Not for me either.
1: So, um, Reader 4, I, I, I kind of wonder if maybe, you know, these days there's no shortage of really good uh, RSS clients on, on iOS. And I and I have to wonder...
2: People still use an RSS? Yes. Yep.
1: Especially mm. in this day and age of okay. you know, getting your news from social apps
2: is terrible. Well, because I was just thinking there's like, you know... More and more centralized services these days too, like Apple News or whatever. I assume that's not overtaken. It. I mean, I don't use any of these types of apps. It's just if it's on Twitter, I'll read it. This is a bigger
1: topic, but I feel like there's a there's a there's always going to be a niche of people who prefer RSS because it's the idea of you're fully in control of the sources that you read. There's no algorithm. There's no uh, major company having some kind of vested interest in in the kind of news that you see mm-hmm. it's your subscriptions it's your file in the sense of like you can export your subscriptions as an opml file you can you can you can fully control everything here and you're never going to see stuff you don't want to see from sources you don't care about
2: yeah you know this might be the issue with your twitter experiment um that i get all my news from twitter <laughs> so mm. uh, that might be We'll see. We'll, that might be a bit trickier for me. I'll find out.
1: But yeah, anyway, the um, my main takeaway was I'm going to use Reader for a while and see how it works. But I have to wonder if maybe these days apps like Fiery Feeds and Lear are maybe doing a bit more on iOS uh, in terms of like the features that they have and all the customizations that they have, the keyboard navigation, the drag and drop support. It feels like maybe a reader is still stuck in in a bit in the past in an era of what iOS apps were like three years ago, four years ago, and uh, especially fiery feeds, like all the options that you have, like smart views um, and filters and, you know, custom share actions, you know, that kind of stuff, uh, it's it's hard to match, Um, so we'll we'll see how this experiment goes in using reader but it's really pretty it's really beautiful and it's really smooth and fast and fluid so uh I'll give you that it's a it's a very it's very nice looking and and a pleasure to use so
0: I think that about does it mm-hmm. yeah if you want to find the links to stuff we spoke about this week you can head over to the website relay.fm slash connected slash two forty one links of course are, will also be in your podcast app you're listening to us in Probably most of them do it. The good ones do it. If you have follow up or feedback you want to send us, there is an email link in the sidebar of that webpage, or you can find us on Twitter. Mike is there as I M Y K E. Mike, of course, is the host of a lot of shows here at Relay FM. You can check those out at relay.fm/slash shows. You can find Federico on Twitter, at least when he's done with this article, Ed Faticci, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he is the editor-in-chief of MaxStories.net. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH, and I write 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Hover, Squarespace, and Away. And until next week, gentlemen, say goodbye.
1: Arrivederci. Cheerio.
0: Adios.